1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Nunes this is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy... Uh, I don't even know.
0: What are we happy for this week?
1: Happy NBA season starts this week.
0: Yeah, all right. Yes, we, we are happy about this with our respective... Well, I'm happy about it. All I right. guess, are, are you a, as, as a newly minted kind
1: of utah jazz fan i guess it is <laughs> it is a time of celebration listen i, I i've made the pilgrimage twice to, to salt lake city in the past four years so i feel like i feel, feel like i'm already all in on the jazz i've i i, I paid my dues no uh are you jumping on on eighth seed Nip state no definitely not i uh <laughs> as, as as a lifelong fan of bad teams by and large i uh i purposefully have have developed a love for the entire league. Um, And the NBA in particular, it's very easy to do that um, because of how accessible the league makes itself. So I I will be just enjoying watching the NBA. I will enjoy watching the Knicks potentially when they're on until they are off my television. Um, It'll be fine. Uh, It'll be like most of my seasons as a Knicks fan. Uh, This won't be any special level of awful.
0: No, especially not after the weekend we just had where our uh, our beloved uh Tulane Green Wave uh, unfortunately lost forty one to seventeen to Memphis. Um obviously that's the first loss in our
1: minds here. Uh you could have ranked Tulane the entire time and you chose not to. Yep. And now now they're not gonna be ranked. It's just it's just awful.
0: We know everyone was watching on Saturday and was as disgusted uh, at the performance as we were. Um there was no other football games to really get too worked up about. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. Let's uh... – <laughs> No, there, there There was another god-awful game um, on Friday night when the uh, Syracuse Orange lost 27-20 to Pitt. Um, as I tweeted to Dan shortly after the game, uh, we need to open up some space in the dumb game pantheon because this was, uh, this was right up there with the 2011 Pitt-Syracuse game. <laughs> first battle In terms of just like yeah just like unbridled stupidity and it, just like I a think, level of
0: i think like we we talk about how confusing the pit syracuse quote-unquote rivalry is pretty often because it's been going on forever but no one actually cares about it uh and that's a long time theme of uh this podcast and the website but um I think Pitt Syracuse is the rivalry that produces the most stupid games that we put in our in our great Hall of Fame, like pretty clearly, I think.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I, I don't really understand how we've gotten to this point, especially given like how one sided things have been over the course of this, quote unquote, rivalry's history before like 2010. It's basically like Doug
0: Marone even things out. And then since then, it's kind of been what we're dealing with
1: it's just like, didn't even nonsense. think that necessarily he just like got us back to a level of like oh we're playing well against Pitt. Like, it's well-ish. just yeah it,
0: it's it's well just like the 90s they couldn't beat us to save their lives and right. then the 2000s through the end of g-rob we couldn't beat them um things basically flip-flopped and then marone well i don't think marone uh i think he'll probably only beat them once like it was at least a competitive game there from there going forward and then even through schaefer like i think most of those games were not like Super crazy blowouts, so and then obviously we beat them uh have we beat them with Dino yet?
1: yes, uh last year no, no, two, two years ago, two years ago, okay, yeah so like even even then a bad pit a bad pit team took us down to the wire we won twenty seven to twenty four
0: yeah it's it like every game for like going on a decade now has like even I think pit has like a pretty Decent edge in terms of wins, but like every game is just yeah, but every game. really seven grand stupid, yeah. Oh, or seventy six to sixty one or whatever that game was, which like which itself guess, was a stupid game. Oh, uh, um, unbelievably stupid. And like it was like kind of a blowout store wise, but like if you've ever watched any like Wazoo game, you know that there's no like after you you reach a certain point of like total points, nothing's really a blowout because it's just so crazy that you kind of forget what the margin is. And that was definitely in there. I mean, I think that was the highest scoring game ever for like a bit, for like a year.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's still the highest scoring game regulation-wise. I thought something passed it so, like the year after. What's Western, Michigan, Western Michigan, Buffalo did, but it took right. several, it took like five or six overtimes to do it. And uh, LSU, Texas A&M did, but that also took three or four overtimes. What um, did UCLA Wazoo wind up getting to this year? Was it, I don't think they got. It wasn't, they, they were at least like seven points shy. Okay.
0: So this, is it still the, so it's still then the highest regulation Correct. score. Well, huh.
1: Hey, Syracuse pit, a thing, an accomplishment. Yeah. That game, that game was weird. Cause I remember I was like starting to put together the recap in like the third quarter. And then that's when things got like stupid and where everything started picking up. Nobody was like, every play was a touchdown pretty much. Yep. Plus, plus and, Zach Mahoney. Yeah, the, I mean, the dumbest box school in history of college football. I like Zach Mahoney Five will touchdowns. Motor. What was the final on that one? It was. I, I think it was seventy six sixty one. 61 it's, I was. No, I, like, I know that. Mahoney's I stats. Was wondering, I was wondering Mahoney's stat line in that game, which still, like, you know, occupies and just an amazing like, place in, in our history as one of I the... Give me one you know, second. There we go. Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, 44 yeah, for...
0: 43 so for 61 brand. for 440 yards and five touchdowns, one interception. <laughs> and then he also ran for 49 yards and two touchdowns. So he accounted for seven
1: touchdowns. Yeah, he, he tied a, a record by Jim Brown, I believe.
0: Amba and had 178 yards and five touchdowns. Like... If you're, if you're, if you're storing at home in, uh, I think standard fantasy storing, that would be, let's see, 17.8 plus. That
1: would have won you a championship.
0: Probably. Yeah, that I zone. mean, that's a, that's, that's a league winner if you're playing. Uh, so yeah, that's a solid like 47.8 points if you're not doing PPR. Uh, Irv, Irv had 11 catches for 107 yards. Uh, just a just an unbelievably unbelievably stupid game.
1: Yeah, going back to twenty eleven, the the aforementioned game that eliminated SU from bowl contention on the final week of the season. We uh, <laughs> lost thirty three to twenty in that one. We've discussed that one multiple times. Uh, the I following was there. The year was the 14-13. Yeah, <laughs> you were there. There was the fourteen was thirteen watching- game that we discussed last week. But yeah,
0: continue on that. Uh, just, I'll just never forget Chandler Jones who no one expected to play that week playing that week, being pretty effective, but basically playing on one leg, intercepting a pass that would uh, and meant having the full field in front of him, but he could like barely run because he was hurt. So he got run down, uh, but it would have probably won the game for us if he had returned it for a, a touchdown, which he was very close to doing, but we just could not offense at all. So we, we, we didn't take advantage of it
1: as, as is a running theme in, uh, in this "quote-unquote" rivalry, aside um, from the one year
0: in which we offensed quite a bit,
1: yeah, which again odd, um, yeah, it was that fourteen thirteen game. We lost the following year seventeen sixteen in an absolutely excruciating game as well. Um, note that all of these years, Pitt won between five and eight games with with, with no deviation uh, from that. Uh, we had the thirty to seven game, which was the game that I was pretty much out on Schaefer um that was a team that it looked like they gave up there was very little fight in them Pitt pretty much despite the fact they only only quote-unquote scored 30 points uh Pitt very much dominated the hell out of us yeah it was it was rough there was the 23 to 20 game in 2015 which I don't have a vivid memory of but I just remember being angry um as as is the norm uh obviously the blowout no the well not blowout but the uh you know high scoring regulation game in college football history the 76-61 game in 2016 um there's 27-24 game that i mentioned where um we ended up seeing i think the first appearance of ben denucci that was when Uh, i think sounds right yeah where i think peterman might have been out already and then whoever was backing him up for the usc transfer looked bad and then Alton Robinson knocked him out of the game. And I think we ended up seeing Danucci Um, and then
0: who we who we but we dubbed Pit Mahoney because yeah, Pitt
1: Mahoney.
0: He was Pit Mahoney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we ended up with uh the 4437 game that again aggravated us all to death uh last year, and then this year's game that uh, phenomenally stupid, and maybe even dumber than the NC State game the week before. That was already pretty dumb.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was like I think I think having multiple quarterbacks play uh, is is definitely an element here. Or at having least three quarterbacks hard. play was even better. Having three quarterbacks play and none of them quite be effective, but also never fall out of the game, and also have a 94 yard touchdown. Yeah, this all adds up. This is all like the stuff you need.
1: There was also like, and again, like, you know, a certain faction of Syracuse fan base was going to get caught up in the ref stuff, and, and, and rightfully so in some cases. Um, this was another, the second straight game where ACC refs kind of struck. Not that they were the reason we lost, but they certainly didn't leave us with any sort of feeling that they were competent, um, if you recall, against NC State. Um, there was the egregious uh, hit after the whistle on DeVito that would have extended the drive, and potentially set up SU for the game winning touchdown pass at a much closer range um, in this game. Um, it was Kenneth Ruff uh, caused a really nice fumble. Uh, at least it was called as much on the field and they reviewed it. They overturned it. Um, despite the fact that, you know, on the television broadcast, they said that they really didn't see how you could overturn it. Cause none of the views were there. Um, they said maybe there was another view. Uh Brian Higgins yep. then tweeted out that he had seen another view that wasn't on the broadcast and also didn't know how you could overturn it. I think he um, went further. I think he said you couldn't overturn it on the view that we all saw. And then
0: he saw as an alternate view where it looked more like a fumble. So like it just sounds like it, it's it sounds pretty befuddling. Even if on the on the replay that we all saw on the broadcast, like you could be like, you know what? I don't know that that's a fumble. Like, that's not how you're supposed to rule this. Like, it's it has to be on, like, there has to be no doubt if you're overturning a call like that. And it does not sound like that is the, I mean, I, I just don't know how that's the standard you got to, um, based on what we all saw.
1: Yeah. It seems like the refs really wanted to go home. <laughs> they Which, also you know, they like, also hated the it. game. <laughs> we all have jobs. But. Yeah, like, like, I don't want to watch that game anymore. And they certainly sure <laughs> didn't. But yeah, I don't know if that was the best way to end it. I'm not saying that Syracuse would have you know, thrown the game-tying touchdown pass considering that Clayton Welch was already like um, beaten to a pulp by the uh, Pitt defensive front uh, by that point. I, I think that this game, this actually provides a good segue into kind of like what happens now. Um, we don't know if Tommy DeVito is going to be ready to go this week um, against Florida State. Um, Clayton Welch did not look great as a passer, but he did have some moments. Um, I think most importantly, he had pocket presence that Tommy DeVito uh, has yet to really display. Uh, that's not to say DeVito can't find it eventually, but you know what? If I was sacked as many times as DeVito's been sacked this year, I'd probably develop a little PTSD and some happy feet too, um, just getting scared of just getting absolutely hammered. Um, I mean, the, the the lack of real blitzing that, uh, that Pitt did and had no problem kind of getting through was, uh, was disconcerting and, and kind of frightening, to be honest. Um, and it tells you that there absolutely need to be some changes this week, whether it's in, um, you know, protection schemes, guys on the field. Um, there really haven't been a lot of uh, guys beyond the starters um, kind of rotated in. I think at this point it's very clear that, you know, Mike Cavanaugh needs to do something in a hurry uh, to fix this. You're really kind of putting DeVito, whoever's under center in danger, The running game does not exist because the, the offensive line can't protect. At one point, SU had seven guys in um, blocking against a uh, not even just a standard four man rush. And they were in within half a second and DeVito didn't even have a shot to get the ball off. So at this point, like I mean, I I've never seen a Syracuse offensive line this bad, uh, which is saying something when you consider how this group has looked. Uh, I also think, you know, there's been a lot of questionable game plan decisions. I actually felt like Dino and Mike Lynch brought in a pretty good game plan to start. Um, Unfortunately, it had to be abandoned pretty quickly and, just mostly due to drops, to be honest. I feel like if if the drops hadn't happened and if SU would maybe transition to a screen game once Pitt knew they could get through kind of, you know, untouched, uh, it could have gone differently for Syracuse. It almost did anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm getting concerned about some little things that just aren't being corrected week after week because we kind of trot out um, something similar that clearly isn't working.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I actually agree with you. I, I thought early on, especially because we came out throwing for – what well, feels like the first time this year, I actually, uh, I actually thought that like the game plan seemed more aggressive and more open. Um, the problem is like when you have the Jackson uh, drop and everything else like early on, it kind of saps away the aggressiveness so that then like gives you the freedom to play with. Um, but uh, going forward, it's tough. I mean, it's t- I, I I don't think you can put DeVito out there if he's going to be in harm's way um i think ultimately like this offense is going to be at its best if tommy devito is playing and healthy uh that's no offense to clayton welsh who i think we actually you know he hit some big plays i thought he played probably better than you know at least as well or better than you would hope as from your backup uh former walk-on who we really didn't have a lot of information on um i just think at this point in the year like if like Devito's not going to be what we need, if he's not playing at hundred percent, especially with the happy feet and everything else. So I'm totally fine uh, playing Welsh for a couple of weeks. Hopefully it's not more than that. If that worst, uh, and kind of seeing what we can piece together. Um, I don't think like we're having any kind of like a referendum on Dino's job or anything this year. I think ultimately if this is going to be a lost season with a banged up quarterback and a bad offensive line, like you kind of, take it as what it is for what it is and try to move forward. Um, I think the biggest questions there are like, what do we do to fix this offensive line? What kind of adjustments do we make to this system to help our quarterbacks out, uh, get receivers more open? Like, I think there are legit questions to be asked about this year so far um, without like freaking out because we, we dropped pretty far off of a 10 win season because you do see this occasionally um, in college football. Like I think the biggest question that Babers hasn't really faced before as a head coach because he's always kind of parlayed his big seasons into the next job. Um, He's never really been in this position before. So I think uh, we've seen coaches who have like a breakout year. Um, You can think of like Colorado's Mike McIntyre, like had the breakout year, didn't parlay that then into like the sustained success. So he wound up losing his job. Um, I don't think that's going to happen with, I hope it's not to happen with Babers. I want Babers to be here long-term, but I do think there are questions this year that make you wonder, you know, a bit about how he then faces this adversity and builds off of it because it is a new position for him. Um, that being said, like I think it, it's tough. Like I, I don't think it, things have gone great this year, and I think there are legit criticisms of the coaching staff going in there. Um, but I also think uh, both in things that they didn't do in terms of like especially building out this offensive line, and then like the things you can't really control, like Devito getting hurt um you know it, it's tough uh it's been a tough situation this season um and you hope that in like other years you, you know there we might have had a bit more luck here and it's it's also i guess like we're not getting blown out in these games aside from like the maryland debacle like these last two weeks part of the reason they've been super frustrating is that they were very winnable games even with everything that went wrong so like there's a situation where we're still not playing great, but you have some things go, you know, break your way one play here and there. And and all of a sudden you're, you're looking at a, a five and two team that like maybe has some real question marks that people aren't totally buying into versus a three and four team. And everyone's like jumping off ship.
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, coaches, teams, programs, whatever, are all evaluated by wins and losses. And the fact of the matter is that we are three and four and not five and two. And it, it, it sucks. It's, even more frustrating when you when you arrive here from a ten and three season. Um, I don't blame fans for being frustrated. I don't blame fans for being annoyed. I know I addressed some of this um, in the Sunday piece uh, that I wrote, just kind of talking about like how we got here, who the blames is applied to, and, and to be honest, it's all of us. Like you know, it, and that that includes that includes the players, uh, that includes Dino Babers, that includes the offensive line and offensive line coach Mike Cavanaugh in particular. Um, that includes us as media, us as fans, like. It, there's a lot of ways how you get to something that's that's this did disappointing and then and then revolves around kind of this feeling of anger and disheartening and like you know there's a lot of people really jumping off ship hard and I think that that's you know incredibly foolish that said like it doesn't excuse Dino for you know some of the issues that have happened here like he brought in to transfer um, offensive lineman Darius Tisdale hasn't seen a ton of time and I'm actually surprised by that um and Ryan Alexander who has not looked great unfortunately uh the South Alabama transfer he was an All-Sun Belt guy it just doesn't really seem like he's you know doing all that well this year unfortunately um obviously a quarterback like you know I I think Devito's shown enough um other than like the pocket presence stuff which again I think would be mitigated by a quality offensive line like I think Devito's shown himself uh, to be able to function in this offense. I think where it, it struggled is he probably needed to earlier in the year to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, and this team needed to fix play calling to adjust for a bad offensive line. And that's where screens come in. And you saw that one drive against Clemson earlier in the year where they used Moneal, um and were able to drive like right down the field. Uh, it was you know impressive against a good defense. It was a, an encouraging drive. Um, for a team that really needed it at the time and also one for a program that really needs, you know, some things to grasp onto. I I think that injuries obviously play a huge role um, here, not as much on the offense as they do on the defense. Um, I think the defense has played admirably considering all the absences. I think they could be even better um, if there were, you know, if there were fewer injuries, I think, you know, this is potentially, this this doesn't necessarily grade out as more than like an an average-ish defense, but I think they're actually, you know, a group that, would probably be top 30 to 40, um, in the country, if not for, you know, the injury to McKinley Williams, um, which is kind of exacerbating the line, linebacker inexperience. And then obviously the injuries to Andre Cisco and a feed who you saw last week, uh, even with Andre Sisco playing like sparingly, um, he made a difference, uh, you know, against Pitt, and especially in that second half when, you know, SU didn't allow a touchdown and, and mounted somewhat of a comeback, uh, with like a, you know, scraped together offense, Um, again, this is not to excuse anything. This is more just to say like, there's reasons why this has happened, but there's also things that the coaching staff could have done to maybe mitigate some of these issues because yeah, like as much as I'm not going to feed into the, the, you know, insane takes, I will say, yeah, you look at this offensive line next year and it doesn't really look super encouraging. Um, There's obviously some questions elsewhere um, on the roster and, and, you know, people have every right to be a little concerned about the fact that recruiting hasn't upgraded uh, to a huge use level. Um, I think that Dino needs, should be held accountable for uh, what's occurred this year uh, to some extent, but I don't think that's necessarily a referendum on the entire job he's done as much as it's a referendum on how maybe he and this team and, and and its coaches have have dealt with success.
0: Yeah. I I think those are all incredibly valid things. I think, um with the play calling uh i think there were legit criticisms to the first couple games again i i kind of liked what we started doing early and there were like player uh mistakes not play calling mistakes that uh took, took the uh, air out of things early but i, I think
1: yeah that first play was the, it was a, it was the tristan jackson touchdown
0: yeah i mean if it's not a touchdown he's done a deep into deep into field goal range um off the bat and like you're putting points on the board early i just think um getting the pace like forcing the pace to early versus like trying to set up the run and doing other things that I get, like you want to establish because it's a big part of the offense. But I, I think this offense we, we know is so much better when you can, when you, when you get the pace going and by forcing those quick slants and those quick screens, you can really start to speed things up, you know, on your own without uh, the offensive line, having to generate a huge push that it hasn't been good at all year. And that'll open things up for the running game, um, you know, as a, as a reverse, and then you can really start to make things happen. Um, So I liked the idea early uh, of trying to get that passing attack in tune. And I thought it would have worked, you know, without the drops. Um, Now without DeVito, I don't know how much that changes things, how much you trusted Welsh to run these same exact uh, things you were going for there. But I mean, we'll (laughs) see. I mean, yeah, no, I know. I mean I yeah, he's just he doesn't have the arm strength
1: or accuracy necessarily.
0: No, but I think you can if you can steam dies open, like you can get a, a fraction of it, even if like especially considering, you know, we I think we've been without a hundred percent DeVito for a couple weeks here. Um I just don't think I don't think it's worth like forcing Tommy into a position where you're gonna potentially get him more injured. I think you just need to let him come back be- get back to to where he's going to be healthy because I also don't want you, I, I just don't think it's healthy to like throw him out there at, at 60%. And if he doesn't play well, like potentially ruin his confidence even more. I think right now he's like our only, like because Chance Amy transferred out and like, uh, we we need quarterback recruiting to tip to, to back in the deer here. Uh, Summers is obviously not ready. Like DeVito's the guy for, for better or worse for the definitive future. Um, I think you need to do all you can to make sure he's, uh, you know, well situated. Um, that being said, uh, recruiting is an interesting thing. I don't think we've seen uh, this team reap the benefits of the 2018 season the way you would hope. Uh, coming off an eight, uh, 10 one year, this is a year where you think that that would really uh start to ramp up. And I, I think we've we've struggled to see that so far. And, and obviously, this fall isn't going to do it any any uh, you know, any help here. Um, I think quarterback recruiting is a major concern. I think you need to get guys in the door. I you can miss. I think you'd miss one cycle here and there, but but ultimately you kind of want to bring a quarterback in every year, um, especially if you're going to have guys transferring out at that position at a higher frequency, like we've seen across the sport. Um, right now, like DeVito's not a super young guy. He has two more years at most. Uh, you're going to want to see, you know, you're going to want to get his heir apparent in the door pretty quick. Um, if it's not, I mean, I know Summers is, a, is redshirting in all likelihood, but like, I, I it's a yeah, little bit. We, we don't know what,
1: what he is yet. We don't know what he is. The camp. He know, wasn't returns. like, he wasn't as highly touted as like, yeah, he wasn't as highly touted as DeVito was either. Like you look at these uh, classes, like we've really only had like two solid hits since, you know, 2016, not in 2016, right. 2015, really with, uh, with Dungy, uh you know, being a 2015 recruit. And then, you know, DeVito being a 2017 guy, like, that's really it. And, 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 it's not even like hits. It's just literally like guys who can play at the P five level. Like we don't need Dungy every single time. Um, it, we don't, we don't need, we need Brian Nassib every single time. We don't need, you know, DeVito at his high level every single time. Uh, you know, we could do something like, look, look around the ACC. It's just like serviceable quarterbacks, like just guys who, yeah, you're good. You're you're you, you can play at the power five level. And that's something that I, I, I think we're, where we're running out of running out of options that don't involve grad transfers. And, and, and I know a lot of people are calling for it here now, uh, with, you know, DeVito potentially looking a little shaky, but I don't necessarily know how much that's going to help him. Um, I do think a grad transfer could be a potential option though. Um, you know, come 2021, depending on where DeVito is sitting at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm not super afraid of taking a grad transfer if you think it's the right thing to do. And honestly, even if it's to push DeVito or you think a guy has a good chance of beating him out, like ultimately you're going to embrace competition if that's what comes. But I also don't think like I don't know that if you plug in a grad transfer on this current team, like they're going to be doing that much better just because of the offensive line. Um, I think offensive line is another place where the recruiting has been, you know, pretty shaky in terms of results so far, uh, and I think obviously Ryan Alexander hasn't really worked out um, so far this year. I think that's a spot where you're going to want to continue to look at the transfer market, just because there are usually a lot of offensive linemen available, but it's also hard to plug in freshmen. Um, so like, well, I think
1: for both, it's hard to plug into this system because it, right. it, it's it's a it's a pays like you basically what would you know SU needs to do and would you know Mike Kavanaugh if he's still at SU and, and Dino Babers as well. Like what, what, what everyone needs to do is literally say, okay, like what position? like, where are guys that are coming out of Texas high schools that are coming out of the big 12 that are coming out of, you know, parts of the American athletic conference and conference USA, like where are those kids coming from that are grad transferring? And like, are they playing at a tempo that'll work and we can plug right in because at this point, like we don't just need athletes. We need athletes that fit. If we want this thing to be kind of salvaged in the short term, And again, I'm not like fanning the flames on any sort of like, oh my God, this thing's going to explode. But, you know, there's definitely some things that have come to light here this season, especially the last couple of weeks when you've seen SU quarterbacks be completely under siege. Like, it's not that hard to generate pressure on this group. Um, We can't run. We have no time. And We've allowed the most sacks in uh, in FBS, I think. That's still the case. We've allowed the most sacks in FBS, not just that. Uh, We've allowed the most sacks through seven games – um i believe in the last uh, for a p5 school in the last like 10 years
0: yeah it's bad it's real bad (laughs) and like there are more issues than just off the line i think uh in large parts like devito feeling the pressure where it's not there has has kind of compounded things and that's it's all it's all a cycle like none of it's just like the one issue they compound it compounds on itself uh, when the offensive line is bad for spurts it then makes DeVito nervous and hear footsteps and everything else and then he takes sacks that the offensive line shouldn't really be credited for but it's all it's all one big issue uh altogether. so you can't just like get rid of like one little part of it and, and then fits it has to be like kind of fits ground up um, so yeah I, I just think like it's it's something that needs to be addressed. Hopefully, this during the season, but we're kind of running out of time. Um, but then, like moving forward, we we need to like I think that just needs to be the number one thing. Like rebuild the line, get guys in who can re- play the system. Uh, there are more and more spread systems every year, so uh, I, I think you'll see grad transfers out of you know teams that especially if they're coming from the AAC or the Sun Belt. Like there are teams that are running eighty plays a game. I think you can find find a couple guys who are comfortable with it and. Like it just I, I I just can't imagine how much better things would be if we just had a right tackle who was who was like a playing B level ball right now. I just think it would it would radically shift what we'd look like. And I, I don't think it would like fits everything, but we'd have so many fewer issues if like we weren't getting sacked seven times a game and also we weren't having DeVito freak out after two seconds where there's no real rush, but he, you know moves the pocket for no reason and then throws the ball into like nowhere and gets intentional grounding so yeah it's frustrating it's frustrating to watch every week it's like I think it's one of the worst possible things like there's in, in baseball it's like having the Mets bullpen this year was was the worst thing ever and having a bat off the line is like the football equivalent you just dread every time something looks like it might be shaky because like you just feel the ground falling out from under you
1: Yeah, that's completely fair and not to like belabor it too much. Um, But I would just say, yeah, if we could just even have, like you said, one competent offensive lineman maybe at a tackle spot or whatever, like it would do such a world of difference. I think DeVito's confidence is pretty rattled. I think he's pretty banged up at this point. Um, I think this has been the case though for weeks, and this is where the coaching staff, you know, needs to address something. And that is like, okay, like every time we've run with pretty solid tempo, this offense has looked great. This offense looked great. This offense looked like it did last year. Um, the, the fact that the offense is what's struggling is what's killing fans right now. And you can tell that like, just, and I know from my own standpoint, it's that it's that this was not supposed, like I can deal with a bad defense when you hire an offensive coach, you can't deal with a bad offense. Yeah. Um, when you have, when you have, bring in an offensive coach. Yeah. It, it, it's just, if you know your offensive line can't protect, then why aren't you calling screens? Why aren't you calling quick slants? Uh, why aren't we releasing the ball quicker? It just seems like we had the athletes. There's they're like Nike Johnson, very fast kid. Sean Riley, very fast kid. Mo Neal, very fast kid. Like, you have at least three very fast receivers, even if you don't want to use the possession guys. Who were Thank good last year. Three very year. fast receivers out there. Yeah, we were good last year. Like, use these players and, and, and force teams to play your game, and instead what's happening is SU is allowing every other team to – um dictate the the pace and and the and the rules of engagement in a way that I never thought I'd see from Dino babers team and and it's really i think the main- the crux of what's undermining this group is just that the the advantage which was a simple playbook that just went fast is now being used against us because we're not playing fast and now it's just a simple and very predictable playbook
0: yeah uh going into the pick, i think it was before the pick game um numbers came out we were down basically a full point per possession from last year. I think David Hale tweeted this out just this is I believe that was him because it's right up his alley. Um, we were one of like the 10 worst teams in terms of like uh decrease in points per possession. And then we were also separately uh, down from like 83 plays a game to 74. So that's about a possession, it's like a long possession per game. So when you have, uh, when you're taking away a full possession and then the existing possessions, you're losing a point off of them. Like that's a lot. That's just a huge decrease. Um, and so, and, and then throw in like i'm sure the defense is that'd be just the most frustrated because as you alluded to earlier defense been playing really well they haven't given up a touchdown in the second half and in, in two games and two losses um i went back and looked and the last time it happened once was 2015 against clemson we didn't give up a touchdown and then i went back through basically all the games i could find uh back to i think through g rob and it's only happened like a handful of times and it never happened back to back that i could find um, but like once in 2014 uh it's Maryland uh, once in 2011, that pit game, uh, we never did, we didn't give him a second half touchdown. So like it's here and there, but that's going to be just so demoralizing when those guys are playing really great football and keeping the game close, um, and keeping it where like we could have beaten NC state, we could have beaten Pitt if for like one better play. Um, so hopefully the offensive figures something out here and, and gets those that's bailed out because her still will winn- winnable games on the, on the schedule. Um, because the ACC is a tire fire, just not just us.
1: Agreed. Yeah, that's really the only saving grace here is that the ACC doesn't know what the hell it's doing. Um, let's take a little bit of a break for our sponsor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear in conversation with business icons.
0: This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment
1: that is a harsh lesson in business sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so many more doors the show is called the The Deal. deal listen to the deal listen to the deal on spotify and we're back with beer uh dan what have you been drinking after uh after friday's disaster uh, after Friday's Disaster, I was
0: mostly on uh, some Elysian Space Dust, also some Deuce Islands. Um, I think uh, a night before, I had uh, a bunch of Lion's Head Pumpkin, which was my first night of really drinking pumpkin beers. Really enjoyed that. Um, I had some Sweet Action from Sitz Point, which was good. Uh, and then yesterday, I had a big bottle of Maine Brewing Company's uh, Peeper Ale, which is delicious. Everything from Maine is incredible. Uh, so, yeah,
1: no complaints there. Nicely done. On my end, I finished up my four-pack of uh, Highland Park's uh, Neon. Uh, for some reason, Blind Pig's now sitting on shelves out here, so I had some Russian River Blind Pig, had some Pliny the Elder as well, uh, picked up a can of uh, Double Dry Hop Booming Rollers from Modern Times. Um, then I was up in Pasadena yesterday and had a uh, Orange Plaza Pale Ale from Chapman Crafted, uh, which is down in Orange County. Uh, decent pale ale, just kind of having it with uh, some brunch, so didn't really need too much out of it, but yeah. Later, um, weekend, a, a beer for me. Uh, we'll see what this coming weekend brings Then
0: It brings a Florida State game, so uh, everything is on the table.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm dreading this one a little bit. Uh, at the same time, there, there are reasons not to. I think the, the, the saving grace that I have here is that Florida State's offensive line is also not good. They're not as bad as us, but they're also not good. Um, there's also the fact that they are not a second-half team in any way, shape, or form. And we have been a second-half team, even in these bad last couple of games.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, I think my biggest concern, aside from, like, they have a giant talent edge, is, like, they really need to win this. If they lose to us, like, there's a chance that's Taggart's last game. Um, so they will be breaking out all and the stuff. And they're going to
1: hire Dino, so great.
0: Uh, and, uh, I can't imagine them hiring Dino after this year. Thank God. <laughs> apparently they're... And if they moved to be Florida State, maybe. That'd be really funny it'd be it'd be like very maudlin on our part but it would be funny oh, yeah. um no apparently there were like uh i don't know if you read the football stoop piece there were like urban Mire. Oh, yeah. rumors i would like for that not not to happen <laughs> i don't
1: think i just don't think it can i just don't think, don't think it you go there. Like,
0: no yeah florida state doesn't have the pocketbooks that other blue blood programs do uh do generally uh we i mean we saw someone go and literally buy jimbo fisher out from under them um I think if USC is serious about getting Meyer, I think they'll outbid. Um, I just think, like, it's a tough – and I also don't know that he – like, he still has Florida ties. I don't know that he would take that job um, with other good jobs potentially available. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, FSU just lost oh, a wave.
1: Oh, yeah, go for it. Oh, no,
0: I'm just uh, – I was just recapping, like, this is another team that is not averaging over four yards of carry, Uh I think, maybe on the year, but they, they, they were under that for this week. Um, despite the fact that Tim Akers is amazing. He's like their whole thing. They can't figure out quarterback. Their offensive line's bad. Again, like this is a spot where it wouldn't be crazy for us to pull a win here. They're the same record as us. But it's like the talent is just stares me, even though we just won this game 30-7 to last year. so
1: That was a team that kind of seemed like from the beginning of the year was just not into it. And this Florida State team at least seems game. Um, This defense isn't great, but they are aggressive um i don't really think it matters how many sacks you have coming into a game uh you should be able to pull up some against us uh florida states collect 17 sacks on the year uh that's not a great number but it's not a bad one either it's uh, ranked tied for 44th in the country um in terms of total sacks um it's pretty close to that in terms of sacks per game su as you know is uh one of the better uh teams sack wise in the country Collected 23 on the season. Pitt is now the number one team, if they weren't last week already. I think they already were. 36 sacks. Well, 36 sacks. They had nine to add to the total last week. Um, So good for them. But, yeah, Florida State is, uh, again, aggressive defense, talented defense. Um, As long as Cam Akers is on the field, I'd say Florida State has a chance against anyone, but especially us. Um, a team that has struggled a time to stop the run because we've been too busy pulling linebackers into coverage. Um, I saw Andrew Armstrong covering out wide about 25 yards downfield a couple times in that pit game, and I was just befuddled. Um, I don't know if that's – I don't consider that a coaching gaffe as much as I consider it a necessity that was coming from uh, the fact that corners were getting victimized a bit, and obviously you know, when you don't have your all your A players out there um, in the secondary, and you don't have the ability to maybe rush the passer as well as you did last year, um, that'll happen. I, I'm i like, I'm not going to pick a Syracuse win here, but oddly, like I think there's there's a better shot for it than maybe there was even last week, uh, if only because this is a team that's like a little more downtrodden, hasn't necessarily tasted success in the last couple of years now. Um, I mean, the last couple of years have been disastrous for from Florida State standard. Um, while Pitt has actually done a couple things, um, I, I think that in general, like this is, yeah, th- if, if Florida state is truly bad and Willie's truly on his way out, they lose this game. Um, if Florida state's just a, a talented squad that just got tripped up the last couple of weeks by two good teams at Clemson and wake then Florida state, probably beats us by two touchdowns and, you know, SU then starts pondering, uh, what the hell happens now at three and five.
0: Yeah, I mean I think unfortunately like both to be true, <laughs> but uh I still think just like the talent edge plus the unknown about what Syracuse's injury situation looks like, and especially with DeVito very possibly not playing, it just uh, I'm I'm very nervous about th- I'm I'm not nervous because I think this year's kind of getting away from us and it is what it is. Uh I'm I'm nervous because like I think, you know, we have a chance to like I think we've kind of undone a lot of the goodwill we built with the fan base in one year, which is not ideal. Um,
1: well, so. and, and, anyway, I, I do agree with you there. And I, and I think I kind of got into this a little bit in that piece on Sunday where like, and you and I talked about this all off season too, really. Like we kind of told you guys this could happen, not this, this, but that 10 and three wasn't what like, could, could very easily not happen. And like nine and four and eight and five, like, those things could very easily not happen. And it could still be a decent year. This is not that. So I'll say that. But admittedly, like I, I've maybe to some people's like consternation, I do call this fan base after being pretty fickle and pretty fair weather all the time, especially when it comes to football. This, on the other hand, is, is, is a new level of fair weather to me. Um, I think there's ample reasons to be aggravated. You and I spelled out a lot of them already. I've spelled out a lot of them on the site. But this fan base is super out on, on, on this team and, and, and somehow on Dino already um and like there's a big difference between being out on him and calling him out and the the program out for some some missteps like we just did earlier like being this far out on him after a 10 and 3 season um is never going to make sense to me and, and and the fact that all the goodwill's gone and you can see it's gone um is is disconcerting to me from a long-term standpoint of you know keeping Dino around assuming that he you know, writes the ship a bit between this year and next, um, and potentially after him, like bringing in top coaching talent. Like, if you see a fan base turn on you that quickly and that loudly, um, I think as SU has, like, I don't know how encouraged I am uh, to show up. And obviously, you know, there there's fools in every fan base, but I do feel like uh, when when despite the fact that we've dealt with a lot of hardship, I do feel like there's a lot of really loud um, and angry, you know like doubts and not just doubts, but like, you know, fire, Dino, fire, you know, random assistants, like get rid of every player, all this other crap, like three and four is, it, it sucks. It, it's annoying at the same time. Uh, we almost, ha- we pretty much had the ball uh, near the end of the game uh, with a chance to tie or win um, each the last two weeks. Like you said, we could be five and two despite all the issues, Um we are three and four and that's annoying, but I think that there are things that we can address both within this season to still salvage part of it um, or at the very worst, um, you know, tuck our tail between our legs, fix some things and and be better situated next year uh, to deal with what any curve balls that get thrown at us.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not really helping anybody by uh, immediately at the first sign of adversity, uh, after a really good season, calling for someone to lose their job because things didn't sustain exactly how you wanted it to. Like <laughs> I you're just, a
1: Syracuse football fan, you know how this works.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think again, we just spent like half the podcast levying criticisms of the of the coaching staff. Um, I think if this if we win four games this year, there will be big changes coming to the coaching staff. I think that's just how this works, and that would be uh, valid. I think Babers has earned himself. Um, clearly the 2019 season, probably the 2020 season, no matter what happens. and like, I just think a 10, 10 wins in Syracuse, a thing we hadn't done in like two decades, um, gets you pretty far. Uh, and it should, um, I, it's just like, I just don't think uh, it's hard to, I understand it's hard to like understand your lot in life, especially after a 10 win season, but, you have to understand what Syracuse is and what it isn't. And it isn't a place that can afford to fire a 10 win coach after one bad season following that and expect to the, continue to like up the level of coaching staff, because there's a very good chance that even if Syracuse wins four games this year and then wins like six games next year and gets back to a bowl that Dino would still get job offers from other jobs, because people understand that the Syracuse job is very, very difficult. Um, So you want to like, roll with the punches and understand that it's not always going to be like, all right, we're not winning 10 games every year from here on out because this is not realistic. Um That's not to say that this year, like you excuse it because you don't, you you have to go address the things that are, that are clearly broken, but um there's a very good chance that your next coach is not going to be as good as Dino. And if that happens, if you hire another G Rob or another Schaefer, like, you're putting yourselves right back in the hole that you built uh, or that you uh, were trying to dig out of with this Dino hire in the first place. So it's uh, you, 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 I I think people just have a very tough time uh, finding like a a nuance filled uh, answer here. And then like levying criticisms without then going all the way to like calling for a job or saying that someone was like smoking mirrors last year. Um, And it's just like, I just struggle with, with someone going that far off of like a a bad seven game sample. Um it's also just like distinctly unhelpful if you're trying to be like person who is a fan who is trying to do the best thing for the team. Like you're you're not doing that by either yelling at people because they are being critical or by acting like the 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 you know the world is on fire because of one bad half season. So I, I just hope everyone can kind of find a middle ground here where yes, you can be critical of of the team of ass of players, even as long as you're not being like a ridiculous person to 18 year olds to 22 year olds, um of coaches, but also say like, hey, this is still the coaching staff, nothing's gonna happen after this year to Dino because he's clearly earned that and he just had a huge extension and probably a big buyout. Um, and kind of move forward and like address things realistically versus being like super emotional and, and worked up about it.
1: Yeah, I mean there's copious gray area um and it's something i've said a couple times now like since the friday night game like ton of gray that's where all of us should be operating you can operate to wings of that gray but i i, I think the everything's fine crew also wrong is everything isn't fine but the but the everything's on fire crew like come on guys i mean I, i'm not surprised by it we see it numerous times like again if you're a syracuse fan you should be used to this at this point but for some reason like we were all so desperate to be back as a football program that we did forget our lot in life a little bit. And I think everyone just convinced themselves that, you know, once you hit 10 and three, once it's super easy to just keep doing it. And Dino even said himself that it wasn't. Um, I, I think that there was just this assumption by all of us self included that that things would be a little bit easier than they are. I, I, I just don't get, like you said, how how a seven game sample means you're all the way out on a guy who pulled off 10 wins at Syracuse. And like, you know this is the same fan base that that was like all the way out on Mike Hopkins, you know after a nine game sample when he had like three days to prepare uh to take over uh, a few seasons ago, so like I'm not necessarily surprised by this reaction. it's just it's still disconcerting to see everyone like just act like this isn't how sports works like and then, like you said too, like if you want to move on, then what happens next because realistically, yeah, you have the issue of. Now there's now there's the fact that, okay, SU's administration boosters and fans are unrealistic about expectations for Syracuse. So that's not going to bode well for you. Uh, You have the fact that an African-American coach get a very short leash at a place that it's very hard to um, win. That's not going to bode well for you at all, to be honest. Um, And and then the fact that, like, what do you think is going to happen again next? Like you can't even if you get even if those factors don't come into play you're still going to deal with the fact that even blue bloods rarely can hit on two straight hires. So like, you know, maybe some will say, Oh, well, Davis wasn't a hit and that Marone wasn't a hit because of the final record or whatever. But realistically, like SU has gone. What three and they've gone three and two over the last five hires. Like that's probably a better than average clip like for we, most programs and we left out
0: that torch p was here forever and obviously it's soured and you could argue whether or not they fired him a year earlier or a year late you could make pretty compelling arguments on both sides i think um but yeah like it's it's not easy to hire well and if you fire babers like hey he's done another job um yeah, like immediately he's just done too he's done too good a job overall and i see people holding twenty, sixteen, and 17 against him it was a full rebuild. Wow. I think almost everyone would say... Actually, there's a lot of people
1: saying that it wasn't a full rebuild now.
0: Yeah, it's, seriously. You have to be a
1: dungeon. <laughs> yes, you, he inherited a quarterback.
0: Congrats. He inherited a player. Um, And Dungey was amazing. And obviously, I think we're we're all gaining appreciation for Dungey by the minute. Um, Because even though there were people who I think... I think a lot of the same people who were out on Babers and have probably saying that Dungey was the only reason we were good last year were probably for Dungey to be benched after the uh, the Florida State and the North Carolina teams last year. Um, it just like ugh, it's he's done too well. I think people who are are holding the 2016 and 17 years against him, I think, are out of line with where someone who was looking to hire a Dino Babers would be. Um, 2016 inheriting a team that had been bad for three for for two seasons and beat virginia tech and then the year after beat clemson and you know to had injury issues both seasons and still like the team was still in it and and very uh you know they weren't losing the coach's message like wins wise we i don't think anyone was thrilled with winning those four game seasons but or four games a year but like i think real progress was made those years that led to last year and even if things fall off this year, it doesn't mean that he can't then like soup things back up. It's just, we have to see it. And there are questions about if he's going to be able to like get this mid tenure kind of bounce back, because we haven't seen that from him before. It doesn't mean he won't be able to. Um, But yeah, if you fire Babers, he'll have another job and you're going to get into a point where uh, you're seen as a school with unrealistic expectations that doesn't know where it is in the sport. And it's going to be very hard to hire another, uh, a coach uh, with the pedigree of Babers, um, it's, you're just going to limit your scope. Uh You're going to get desperate coaches. Like, you can go hire Houston Nutt. Great. Like, I'm sure we'll all be thrilled. Um, or you can go hire someone before they're ready, before they're ready to take over an ACC job, and that could implode. We've done that um, already. We've done that already. Uh, so you just don't want to put yourself in that position. You want to, if you fire Babers, you want it to, and again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but in that universe, you want it to be after like, there's no doubt and no coaches would be like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. He didn't deserve that. Um, So it's just, we just all, I think everyone just deep breaths, like (laughs) this year, if it gets out of hand because of injuries and because we just had one glaring offensive line issue, like just one unit was completely broken. Like, these are fixable issues. Um, I I like that better than like the coach was just completely over his head. Um, And I also think Babers like has not done a great job this year, but I think he's allowed a year to figure things out in a position he hasn't been in before. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It sucks. No one likes to be in the position we're in. Hopefully we bounce back. Hopefully we beat Florida state and cost Willie Taggart his job this weekend. It'd be fun. But uh, you know, I think, if if the worst thing happens and we win four games at again this year, like we'll address that at the end of the season. But it's it's we we have to understand that this will happen sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if if you're not that handful of programs, I mean, even some of those programs, like you know, Ohio State, Alabama, like and a handful of others, are really like the only, like, even even Florida and Michigan and USC and Texas, all those programs have had losing seasons of late. All those programs have on a 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when the year Nick Saban took over, like there, there has been like every program deals with trials and tribulations and SU has fewer resources and support systems and like machinations to deal with, with when you're throwing curveballs, And it feels like, you know, a lot rolling downhill for us because we're always dealing with these things. And that's not going to change until we win consistently. And then it becomes this chicken or egg issue. And I completely understand the frustration with that. I'm a Knicks fan. The, the, I, I'm also a Mets fan. I completely understand what this feels like. I've been rooting for Syracuse sports for decades. Like I understand how what like what the machinations are here, and some franchises or teams just feel snake bitten. However, like we don't have the resources that a lot of other schools that can gain more consistency do. We don't have the endowments. If people want to look at Duke and Stanford. Guess what? Duke and Stanford are much more prestigious schools. No offense to my alma mater. They are much more prestigious schools. We are not in the same league as them. They are able to do something unique. They also have endowments that dwarf ours significantly. Um, We're not a state store are, where
0: kids grow up rooting for Syracuse football. Some do. Not a lot. Yeah. Just...
1: But like in the state of New York is not as talent rich as California. It's not as talent rich as North Carolina. Like th- there are so many reasons why SU has deck stacked against it. And it's not to say it can't succeed. Look at last year. Look at, you know, the time under Pasqualone. And yeah, I will admit that like that time doesn't necessarily apply as much anymore, but there are so many reasons why SU is is not equipped to succeed as easily. That doesn't mean it cannot. It just means that we need to give that we need to give it more time to get there. Yeah,
0: I think I think you both you're you're, you're threading like a tougher needle, being in the position of a Syracuse or even like you brought up Duke. Like Duke football still like has a lot of the same issues. Um, it does have a higher endowment, and but they've also I think most of us would sign for like a Cutcliffe plus uh, reality. And they've been super patient and they've done a really good job of understanding what Duke football is. And uh, they've topped out where they're, you know, playing Texas Texas A&M in bowl games and winning the ACC Coastal. Uh, I think I I have higher aspirations for Syracuse football than what Duke football has been. But if they topped out at like David Cutcliffe Duke, there are worse things. And that is a very respectable program um, that is recruiting at a higher level and does have some more advantages. But like, I think like, you know, you hope to maybe hit like top tier bowl games more often, but um, even as like a baseline, I think that's that's like a pretty realistic goal. But you have to then like understand like you're going to take some lumps here and there, and you you don't jump off of your you don't jump off the bad bandwagon in terms of a five win season or a four win season. Yeah, uh, as long as as long as it doesn't become very clear that some of that like the coaching staff just doesn't have it.
1: No, completely agree. I think like, yeah, I think Duke's a perfect reference point just in the stand, just from the sense of like how long this takes sometimes like Cutcliffe first year, four and eight, then five and seven, three and nine, three and nine where people could have been all the way out. Then six and six. Then they had that pretty nice 2013 season. when they we went 10 and four and nine wins, eight wins. They had a four win dip went seven and six, eight and five, they're four and three so far this year with some mixed returns. Like, that realistically, like, yeah, it'd be great to aspire to be more for Syracuse and maybe we can one day, but you need to put in the work at that bottom level first. And fact of the matter is that like Dino's just getting started here already has gotten to like the top level of what Duke was able to do with Cutcliffe, a coach that everyone reveres and 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 finds to be an incredibly effective head coach at Duke. So I, you know, that this is why I don't have the patience for the like really, really aggressive. Like takes on Dino already because they, they're they're mostly baseless. They're mostly functioning in a reality that doesn't exist. Like Dino deserves criticism for what's happening this year and for some of the effects uh, in previous years that are now like exacting themselves on us now. Like some of the recruiting stuff, some of the offensive line issues, perhaps. But realistically, like Dino's pretty much. I mean, last year arrived ahead of schedule. This year is a downturn from what we see so far under any circumstances, but like look at look at something like Duke where you know what right now even at their like you know peak under Cutcliffe they're still recruiting at a top 35-ish to 40-ish at best level but they're recruiting their type of player they know what they want to do they're churning out draft picks they're getting talent in the door even without like a ton of blue chips like this is something Syracuse can do but you have to be able to give Dino who's clearly a good coach under any measure and from every evaluator in the country, no matter what program, no matter what school, you know, even BC and Pitt fans will admit he's a great coach. Like, give him the time. And if you don't watch what happens next, it's not going to be fun. You're going to hate watching that even more.
0: Yeah. I think I'd be more worried if... I feel pretty confident that, like, for whatever, like, the fringes of the fan base are saying, and, and again, not to be like both sides die, but I think in this case, like, gonna be both sides die because we brought it up. Like, some people are being are just giving him like a weird pass on everything. And then a lot of people are just being, freaking out about uh, this three and four start um, and like going way overboard. I think I I trust John Wildhack more than I've trusted most uh, Syracuse athletic personnel in a long time. Um, He just got what we all believe is a pretty big extension. I think at worst, like just the realities of his contract are going to make it where it's it's gonna be very hard for John Wildhack to make some kind of rash decision. Nor that I think he would. I think he understands Syracuse pretty well. Um I he he understands where we're like, you know, put, you know, what position we're in. I, I would feel very I'd be very surprised if like fire alarms are going off at, at the at Manley right now. I think they are probably more in line with where we're at, just because like they know the they know the situation at hand and know the obstacles and, and are around Dino you know, every day. Um so i i think ultimately like the worry there is is probably for not I don't, I don't think there's any situation in which uh there's any there's gonna be any real pressure beyond the pressure that the program is gonna f- feel naturally and obviously it's gonna come from from deep from top down from dino himself so you know i i'm not super worried from that end i think uh I think they'll make the right decisions and, and I think Dina will make uh, whatever moves he has to in the offseason because uh, you know, if things continue the way they are, like you're going to see some shuffling.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think it's a good place to end us off here. Uh, Dan, anything else before we depart?
0: No, looking forward uh, to this weekend's team despite uh, what I've seen the last couple of weeks. weeks. Um, if you beat Florida state, like I think that name still carries weight and you, you get back to four and four and, and, there's still some upside here uh, even with like a relatively tough finish with that Duke team with a better than we expected Louisville team and with a better than we expected weight team. So um, still none of those are unwinnable and, and you beat Florida state and people will be like, okay, well, they're figuring some stuff out. Uh, hopefully DeVito uh, gets better quick, but, but again, I don't want him playing if he's not a hundred percent, I think he's just too valuable. And you, you, if you, if you punt on a, on a win uh, to get him back, for the end of the year or even for next year, if that's the situation, like I think you have to put the player's health first and, and do that. So we'll see where we go. It's a weird year, but ultimately like uh, I'm not going to, you know, we just spent a whole podcast basically talking about not uh, going overboard. So take things in stride week by week,
1: and hopefully we get a win in uh, Tallahassee this weekend. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see a healthy DeVito go, but obviously, um, you know, a not healthy DeVito doesn't really do us any good um on that note (laughs) there's some optimism here it should be a fun-ish game for at least one of the two halves it'll it'll
0: something dumb will happen like it there'll be some reason to tune in it may not be a good reason but uh something weird will happen we all know this so
1: if that's not a ringing enough endorsement, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that was Dan. I'm Jahan. Thank you, everybody, for listening to troy News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, on Spotify, on TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, bunch of other services, and go Orange. Go orange.